Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 20. Uh, big episode, I think. Um, so it's kind of ironic. It's one of the smaller bands that we've done an interview with, but I think it's a great opportunity for people to really get in on the ground level with a an awesome up-and-coming band. Um really check out a, a cool sound that they currently have um, and the transformation that they're working on making. And that'll become a little more clear in the interview on what I mean by that exactly. But um, highly recommend you guys checking out this band. Uh, today's interview is with Sarah from the band Frames. Uh, in the description, I'm going to have all of their social medias and everything, a link to the video, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, we talked about kind of their formation, their history. Um, we talked about Sarah's love of Haley Williams and Paramore. Uh, we talked about their plans for 2020 and beyond. And it's just a really good conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. I don't want to take up too much time with this intro. Um, so let's just jump right into that interview with Sarah from the band Frames. Hello. Hey, Sarah, it's Josh over at You Make the Scene. How you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Good. Um, thanks for doing this, obviously, uh, to start off with. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. You're fine. I said thanks for taking the time to do this. Yes, of course. Give me one second. Let me put in um, headphones so I can hear better. Yeah, you're totally fine. Okay, hello. How's it going? <laughs> um, it's going pretty okay. I'm having a typical Monday. I just repotted a bunch of plants. Awesome. I had to work my day job, so I totally feel you on the, you know, typical Monday. So, um, basically, I, I talked to Mike and, you know, um, was going over a bunch of different stuff, and your name came up and thought it'd be cool to kind of touch base with you, um, get some, you know, some background on you, some exposure for you guys, and, you know, just, uh, you know, try to get your name out there a little bit more. Okay, cool. Yeah, I really appreciate you reaching out, so I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, to start with, we'll do the every single interview that you'll ever do question. What is your name, okay. and what do you do in the band? <laughs> My name is Sarah, and I sing and play guitar and write most of the songs. Awesome. And let's do a little bit of background on Frames, because you're a fairly young band as as Frames, but tell a little bit about, like, your kind of history within music. Um, so I've been into music for my whole life. I've been, like, truly writing songs since I was maybe 15, and uh, Frames started out as my solo project. And then I started writing with my lead guitarist, Carter, who I think has always been playing and writing um, probably more actively than me before Frames came along. And uh, then my bassist and drummer, Blake and Alex, are in another band um, called Twin Drugs. So we all have some sort of history with other projects. And um, when I was like, hey, would you guys want to play shows with me? It turned into, well, do you guys want to track with me too? And then, well, do you want to write with me as well? So that's how Frames became the four piece it is now. Nice. It's always nice when it's kind of organic like that too, where it's not necessarily a, you know, this band played some shows with me as backing musicians, but it was a totally different group of people tracking songs and things like that. Yeah, that's what I was doing um, before this lineup. I was borrowing friends to play shows. Um, and then, because, like, no one really could commit to a band. Um, and then this kind of just happened on its own. And... I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> every every time I talk about the band, I always say that I got really lucky with having these people be my bandmates and also my very good friends. So I feel like 
we all get along like pretty well. I, I don't really see um, anything that we would like fight about. And that's nice because so especially that fight about. yeah yeah that I mean obviously that's important you know not just on the creative side but on the personal side um, you know when you when you mesh really well with your bandmates obviously that tends to to mean that there's going to be some longevity and just more natural uh, you know creation process yeah because um, we pretty much see eye to eye when it comes to writing and like our, our ideas around playing and our plans and our goals um, and not only is that important for like you said longevity and to make sure that we're all on the same page but for touring purposes too like if we're gonna have to be like shoulder to shoulder 24 7 it would be better if we got along than if we didn't yeah absolutely being cooped up in a stinky van with you know three or four people it matters if you like them or not oh my god yeah <laughs> people are stinky even the cleanest people are stinky it's it's hard well yeah especially on tour i mean you know not having normal everyday access to you know a shower or laundromat certain things like that it, it gets rough yeah luckily we've only done like you know one to three out of town shows at a time and we've managed to um find pretty normal accommodations but uh i'm pretty nervous for when we do longer tours and there will be nights that we might not get any sort of indoor water yeah yeah, it, and that's the thing is, you know, when you're doing the, kind of like you said, the little, like, couple cities here and there, but it's still kind of close to home, that's one thing that when it becomes a, hey, we're going to set out literally cross-tour with somebody, uh, that's going to be a, a task, you know? Yeah, and you can't really fail <laughs> when you're, like, across the country. You kind of have to stick it through and be like, okay, well, if I want this to work... <laughs> I gotta just suck it up. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, for those that aren't familiar with with your sound, I've been you know kind of pushing it a little bit since um, about you know this week or so, throwing up different things about you and whatnot. But tell people a little bit about the the sound that you guys are going for and kind of what they can expect with within your music. So um, the songs that we have released so far. Uh, is a six-song EP called Curse, and that was when it was just me, and I tracked that with um, my friend Levi, who produced it, and uh, those songs are on the popular side of everything that I've written, um, and there's, like, one or two where you can kind of see that, like, I do have some uh, heavier, more folk, more emo and indie influences, um, like Hell and Last Year. Um, and then since I started writing with the band, I've really tapped into, like, the rock side that I've always actually wanted to be playing, but it's kind of hard to pull off by myself. Um, but now I feel like I'm, like, I'm really tapping into just like different sorts of riffs and melodies that I couldn't have done alone. Um, so the newest songs that we've been playing and we'll be tracking for our next record are, I, it's hard to describe, I mean, just heavier. Like there are some that are um, pretty like indie jammy, you know, what I would say similar to like Delta Sleep where if you're not really into that genre, that type of sound, you would be bored by it. But if you are, then, you know, it could be a little moving for you. And then we also still have some, like, really catchy poppy songs, because I guess that's my, that's my, like, go-to thing to do. That's my trademark, is just having really hook-heavy songs. And um, I joke, I have joked at practices that some of the songs are just, one big chorus because <laughs> yeah because the whole thing is just like really catchy lines and like i i play 
pretty repetitive, like, ADAD structures. Um, and I used to think that that made me uncomplicated and unsophisticated, but I've learned to accept it as, like, part of my style. And I think, I hope that um, I can pull it off and, you know, not seem like an amateur. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing nowadays is is finding that kind of signature sound, if you will, you know, growing up, I'm 35 years old coming up in April, so, like, I grew up listening to, you know, Fall Out Boy and Panic! at the Disco, All Time Low, a lot of the, the pop punk bands that their, you know, first couple albums for a lot of them were very cookie cutter, you know, so they a lot of them sounded yeah. very similar, um, and then they finally started branching out and getting their own signature sounds, um, so for you to be kind of identifying it this early... I think is is really a strength because you'll be able to kind of refine it and and build on that. Yeah, and that's something that um, Carter and I talk about a lot is how we we have a lot of the same taste and like we reference a lot of bands that we like when we're writing and there are certain songs where like a riff or a melody is kind of like a rip off of something else but you wouldn't be able to tell because we play it. Um, under different subgenre, and we talk a lot about how we're like, damn, how did this band get to where they are now with being known for their current sound? And we have to keep telling ourselves, like, we shouldn't worry about forcing an original sound because that's an oxymoron. And I think that if we just play what is true to us and whatever we personally feel best and proudest about then we may naturally end up being that way yeah and i think that's very important is the kind of the authenticity you know staying true to yourself versus chasing the money and writing the you know what i mean like writing this specific sound because i know it's going to sell but if you don't feel it and it doesn't mean anything to you was it really worth it yeah i think that I think that we've come to a point now where we're like, okay, I think that we're doing well and like our our band is picking up traction. People care about what we're doing, about what we're playing, what we're writing. So if we just like write for ourselves, it'll it'll work itself out, you know, like things will unfold the way they should. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been listening to the the Cursed EP quite a bit, and there's several songs on there that, you know, I I kind of feel like the, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it's almost like a journal or a diary put to music in a lot of cases, um, you know, with like Burden and um, House Show, almost like that inner monologue just coming to life with a, a music backing. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of people have told me um, about the EP songs is that it sounds like uh, either an inner monologue or like a diary entry or like a direct conversation with a friend. And I have said in other interviews that that is essentially how I write. Um, That's not something that I've done on purpose. It's something that I've noticed now, you know, that people are like telling me their interpretation of my songs and I've realized that um, my lyrics do tend to be very conversational, and I think that's just because that's how I that's how I like talk to myself in my head, and how I think like that's the way that my lyrics sound, or the way that I deliver my lyrics is exactly the way that my thoughts sound. Like I narrate things to myself, and I break things down, and I I identify things very honestly, and I think that's the only way that I can like process them and move through them and um I don't know if people like really understand what I'm trying to say sometimes but I kind of just babble it out and hope for the best and I, I think that's a good method you know like the more honest you are with yourself and the more clear you are with that conversation um whether it's in your head or directly to somebody that's ultimately going to be the best way to get the message across you know and um I read a book years ago that talked about kind of that direct conversation and and whatnot. And it said, um, when you don't see eye to eye, seek to understand. 
But then it goes into that chapter a little bit about how, you know, you're going to say stuff that, you know, you totally get what you mean and, and you're 100% right and on point, but you're going to come across those people that you're having that talk with that don't get it at all, or they think that their point of view is right. So you have to kind of help direct them into the right frame of mind for your, um, for your points and exposure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's hard to force people to understand what you mean. And sometimes you don't really understand what other people mean. So the best you can do is just take what you're given, you know, and seek to understand instead of, um, rationalizing things for other people. And something that I have been learning about songwriting is, um, especially with uh, all the folk music that I've listened to and do listen to, I feel like um, folk lyrics, like folky, like indie folk, I'm talking about like folk rock, lyrics tend to be very um, like abstract, storytelling, um, like Manchester Orchestra does it, C.D. Bridgers does it, Bonnie Bear does it, like songs where you're like, this is not um, a story from their life for obvious reasons, but it's still really good storytelling where if you forget that it's fictional for a second, it, it seems like a real situation. And I've been trying to learn that skill of storytelling and like make it my own um you know and still keep my conversational vibe um and i i think learning how to write better is the funnest thing for me right now and just like really exploring that because you don't think too much about um an artist learning more and more you know as they're writing Does that, am I making sense <laughs> yeah yeah no it totally makes sense especially because I think so many fans um of music in general don't really take into consideration you know the liner notes if you will they just assume that their band their favorite band wrote all those songs when it's probably not the case you know somebody else probably wrote it for them so to have an artist that's learning the process of staying true to themselves and putting it into a, a lyrical, you know, story or message, I think is something that I try to pay attention to, um, especially for artists, you know, like you that are very fresh in the scene. So it's, it's always fun and interesting to watch kind of the evolution from one EP to the next and see like, okay, they used to do this, but now they tweaked it over here and did this. And that sound really is really cool with, with these lyrics, you know, so I think it's it's an awesome like testament that you know where your weaknesses are, so you're trying to build on that. Yeah, I think also specifically what I'm trying to say, um, I'm trying to like find a way to explain this well because it doesn't really make sense in my head either. <laughs> I think what I'm really trying to say is that if you were to go through the timeline of a certain artist's um, songs, a lot of times, it's not even that, like, uh, really eventful things happen to them at, at different points throughout that timeline. It's more so that there were a couple things that happened, and each era of songs is them retelling a story, but in a, in a better way, I guess. Um, like, one band that I've sort of noticed this with is Paramore. Um, there's a lot of songs about, you know, like interpersonal conflict and loss and grief and um, the shock and stress of aging and and growing up. Um, and that's something that I've been thinking about with my songs is that I tend to write about the same things that you wouldn't be able to tell because each time I write about like the same ex or the same situation, I tell a different side of the same story, like a side that I wasn't able to tell before. And that's what I mean by, like, people don't really think about that process that an artist goes through where they retell the same story, but they're able to tell it better each time. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And, you know, kind of 
I think part of that, and you know, maybe you can elaborate on it for your personal experience, but I think part of that plays into as you kind of age away from that situation, whether it's an ex or whatever, you start to see different points of that story too. So it's easier to start telling that that side of that story. Yeah, you. the more you look back, the more things you see and pick up on. Like when you rewatch a movie and you're like, oh, how have I never noticed this before? You know, like little details. Yeah. And then it like changes the entire, it like changes the rest of the movie for you. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Paramore. Have you listened to Haley's new project, the um, Petals for Armor? Yes, absolutely. Amazing. I have, <laughs> I've been a huge Paramore fan since since their beginning. A huge Haley fan. Um, one of my biggest influences when it comes to writing, when it comes to singing, and just like overall performance and being a band because I'm like okay they're good and they're successful and they're kind of candid for how big and like commercial they are and I'm trying so hard to like take notes and just absorb the things that they do especially Haley because you know she's just queen right (laughs) and one thing that with them specifically, and I think um, I saw in one of your interviews that you kind of talked about this too, is kind of the the double-edged sword of being labeled as a female-fronted band. Um, you know, Haley always hated it in Paramore that it was, oh, this female-fronted band, and it was like, no, we're, we're Paramore. We are a band, period. How does that kind of play into you and your mindset with the band, um, knowing that there's always kind of going to be that label and stigma, but also the the flip side of it where you're damn right, I'm a female-fronted band, you know, like that kind of empowering feel with it. Yeah, totally. I do think about this a lot, too. Um, and each time I'm asked about it, I think I can see, like, a new perspective. And I think last time I answered this type of question, my my outlook was ultimately, like, hey, just don't bring this up to me because I don't want to talk about it. But I think now I have a better attitude about it, which is, like you said, there's two sides where, like, one side, um, I don't want to be angry, you know? I don't want to be, like, a problematic feminist where I'm like, no, we're just a fan. Like, don't point out the fact that I'm a girl because, I mean, I am a girl. And, like, honestly, having me front my band versus a guy front my band sounds completely different so it is something worth noting um although there there is a line to draw and I do think that I I have the right to ignore people who want to label me as being like you know just a female singer like that's it's it's weird when you see like um, guys that sing and play guitar in a band, they're like, oh, that's like the that's like the lead singer, the front man, like these these really empowered labels, like lead and front, and then like you get to girl singers, and there's and most people are like, oh yeah, this singer songwriter, this like this chick that sings, you know, and she plays very simple things and writes about very basic things. Um, I think I'm like getting way off track, but, um, I think what I'm trying to say is that I just had a really good word in my head that I forgot. (laughs) I think what I'm trying to say is that, uh, I think women in music don't get as much credit for death as men do sometimes. But then again, you know, like I said, I don't want to, like, make this a huge talking point where I'm always like, I'm not getting the credit I deserve because I don't think that that's true at this point. I'm just afraid of that becoming a thing. Right. And I think, you know, not to stay on the topic for too long, but I think, you know, kind of the big point there is, like you said, a front man, um, we'll use Brendan Urie, you know, Panic at the Disco, everybody knows him. He spun off, did his solo stuff. Nobody ever batted an eye because it's it's just a guy in a pop-punk band, whatever. 
But yeah. like when Haley started to to separate from Paramore, people were like, "Oh, but but why?" You know, like yeah. Or people are like, "How? How is she gonna do it? Like, does she know how to play instruments? Does she know how to write songs?" And yeah. like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, totally. They, again, not to stay on it, and not to kind of like you said, not to to be that like badgering femi- feminist or anything, but like. I, th- I think you're right. Women get downplayed so much in the music industry. You know, there's some incredible singer-songwriters and just audio engineers across the board, producers even, that people don't know because it's a female and they just don't get elevated typically to that same level of spotlight. Yeah, and I think there's, there's something to be said too about... Um, things that people will point out to make certain artists seem uh, more, like, technically sophisticated than others. Um, Like, I saw a video today of Kelly Clarkson talking to Selena Gomez, and Kelly said um, to Selena, oh, Selena said that she, she's like, oh, I know that I'm not the best singer. And then Kelly was like, wait a minute, don't say that you're not the best singer because the best singer in the world is not the loudest. And you don't have to sing like Whitney Houston. You're a great singer if you move people. So I think that something that is lost in um, the way that people perceive artists, um, singers especially, uh, singers that don't play instruments especially, is a lot of people tend to be like, well, what do they really do if they can't play an instrument or if they can't sing and play? Um, and that's some something that I've internalized a lot is like having to prove myself and having to prove that I'm sophisticated and technical and like worthy of praise beyond just singing or songwriting. Um, but I think that it's totally okay to just be really good at one thing and be known for that one thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Kelly kind of nailed it on the head there with if your music, whether it's you playing the music, you singing, whatever, if, if your music is moving people, then who's to say that you're not the best at whatever it is you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, because there's definitely tons of classically trained, very advanced and technical musicians out there that they can't write for shit, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they are masters of their instrument, or they know a ton about theory, or they're really good engineers, but they suck at composition. They suck at um, storytelling or conveying emotions and I think that those things are something that can't be taught and I think that I have worried so much about technical things um, that I've kind of forgotten to just let those more candid sides of me shine through and just like be my honest self and stop worrying about like am I writing this um, thing like technical enough you know like it's totally okay to have a career off of three chords plenty of bands have done it and have been super successful from it uh nickelback <laughs> Every... 182 141 <laughs> yeah yeah so um and i think you're you're right i was just talking to um an artist the other day about kind of his so he's a comedy comedy musician his name's insane ian and he was talking about how he did this project where he decided he was going to do a very, very specific thing. And he realized as he was recording that, that he screwed himself over because he didn't give himself enough room to grow within that project. Um, and I think it's kind of the same thing you're saying there with, you know, focusing too much on the, the technicality side of it and, and making sure that everything's very precise, almost kind of handcuffs you to some extent from a creative standpoint. Um, and, you know, making sure to remember that you want to be open with that sort of thing so that your, your lyrics can flow and you can kind of, you know, test the waters and explore the, the space of the sound. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty scared of rejection and people (laughs) not liking what I'm doing. Shocker. But, um, yeah, it's pretty scary thinking about, like, 
what if I'm being my total unabridged, uninhibited self and someone out there is like, ew, shut up. Like, it feels bad um, thinking about that. So sometimes I get a little carried away trying to package my, um, my art in a certain way. And I, I, I want... I want it to be received well. I want to, I want to deliver it in a way that is going to guarantee that almost everybody likes it. As many people as possible are going to like it. And when I um, get ahead of myself and think that way too much, um, I start turning into a person that wants to have a successful brand rather than a successful band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't want to be a brand. I just, I want to be framed with my friends. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's you know a, a key distinction to make too, because there are so many bands that focus so much on the brand side of it, and you know building it more as a business. And those are usually the bands that either get lucky and, you know, maybe a major finds them or whatever, and, and they may take off. But I think more often than not, those bands are the ones that end up fizzling out because they lose the passion for, for creating the art. Yeah, and I think it's pretty easy to pick up on those types of artists and bands. Like, you, you see it pretty quickly when a band cares more about their image and their brand and their revenue than their artistry and their integrity and their fans and I know this I know of this one band that I heard one of them said to someone um he was like uh we're not a band we're a business or something like that and when I heard about this I was just like damn that's so icky like one that means that what you're writing and what you're putting out isn't it's not honest it's not transparent it's just like what kind of story is going to sell let's write that story and that's great for screenwriting scripting but when you're making music you should aim to make it honest um and then also I feel bad for those fans because what if they really take your music seriously and they come out to meet you and want to talk to you about it and you just see them as dollar signs um but then I laughed to myself because I was like I don't think anyone really cares about this band that much anyway so uh yes i think they already think that they're bigger than they are i mean some people like them but it's it's just really icky to say something like that out loud like at least pretend you don't feel that way yeah and i mean especially you know in in my experience so i've been doing like music journalism and concert photography for roughly well about 15 years now and you know, so I've seen a lot of bands kind of come and go, and the the bands like that that are clearly chasing the money are going to lose out because the fan base isn't steady. Whereas, yeah, you know, like we've talked a lot about the authenticity and being honest with the music, that's going to build, you know, that really solid foundation of fan base that is a street team without needing to call it a street team, that you know, is showing up to shows, buying merch, all that stuff that you want them to do without ever asking them to. And those are the, the bands that are going to elevate and be, you know, hopefully long-time successful. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, you don't need to, you don't need to, like, have one-on-one interactions with every single one of your fans to prove that you're personable. Um, because there are tons of, like, A-list, artists that have meet and greets that cost like hundreds maybe thousands of dollars or they do stick around and talk to every single person but you can tell that like they're like watching the clock um i think that you can show that you're personable and listening to your fans without ever really interacting with them um i think it has more to do with like listening to um what the fans care about and like you continuing to deliver that not to say that you have to write what your fans want you to write but you know if you've created if you have um accumulated a whole fan base uh we're talking about 
you know, heavy breakups or something, um, but you want to switch it up, you can do that, but you're going to have to think about what happens to your fan base, right? Yeah. And, well, and how many bands, you know, that <laughs> write, you know, two, three, four records, and then that next record is a different sound and everybody goes, wait, what the hell happened? This isn't, this isn't what I expected. Um, you know, the, yeah. the band and that you comes... You can totally, like... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, you can totally switch up, like, the way that you sound. This is hard to explain. There are some bands that can pull it off, some bands that sound different almost every record, and with each, um, with each one where they change their sound, people continue to follow them or they gain more fans. One of those bands is Paramore. Each record is pretty different from the last, especially um, after Laughter. It was like, way different than anything else they'd ever done. But I think the reason that that was successful was because even though genre-wise it was a lot different, it was, it was still mostly what Paramore always was. Um, you know? Like, the, the emotion in Haley's singing, and even though, like, the the sounds were different, like the tones of the guitars and stuff were different. The songs structurally were still the same. Like there was still like a climax and like kind of a little soft break and then like a big punchy ending. And that's all Paramore ever does is like really dancey songs, whether it's poppy dancey or like rock dancey. And I think that's why they're so great is because they continue to write what people like but they find a way to, like, keep it exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, After Laughter is a, a great example of that where lyrically some of those songs are kind of, you know, the saddest or darkest things that, that they had written, but musically you but still you still move to everything, you know? It's not like a sit in the corner yeah. and cry. So um, yeah. let's talk a little bit about the you said you guys are starting to track and, and everything. You've got the the new is it gonna be an E P or a record that you're working on? Um, I think that's still up in the air. I have said to some people in the past that it's gonna be a full length. Um, I don't really know what full length <laughs> means. But uh right now I think just to keep you on your toes, I'm going to give you a big range. It's going to be anywhere between six and ten songs. It could be six, it could be ten. I don't know yet. Okay. And I, I'll be honest, I've been in doing the music industry thing for a long time, and I couldn't tell you the real difference between an EP and an album. I think that there's probably some sort of time difference. You know what I mean? Like, once you hit 45 yeah. minutes, it's definitely an album or whatever, but um, I don't think it matters as much anymore now that it's not truly on records as often, you know? So, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people like exclusively call their releases EPs or LPs. They never say like EP or album. Like I don't really hear a lot of people saying albums anymore. I'm like, what the fuck is an LP? Like what is just call it an album, call it a record, but I get it. It's, it's whatever. I, you, we all know that an EP is, short like you know six or less songs and i I feel like above six songs is an album yeah and that i mean that's kind of the funny thing about it though ep stands for extended play lp was long play back on the old like 45s and stuff so what the hell's the difference between extended and long like that's the same thing yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah so um do you have any i guess kind of timeline on that for the recording process and you know plans I guess going forward on it um there there are some things kind of in the air right now uh with that with like when we're going to be releasing and um some touring plans around it uh but we will be recording next month in April so that's the only thing that is um, definitive right now, and then I think we'll, we'll probably we'll probably put out at least one single, um, you know, at some point. 
probably a couple, you know, throughout the summer. I like doing that. I'm not going to keep that a secret. Right. That's. I mean, that's a good way to do it, though, you know, kind of. And I think a lot of bands are moving that way. Like um, Silverstein's new album just dropped uh, last week, I think it was. And they had released like three or four songs off of it before the album even dropped, you know, just to kind of keep fans interested and build for that, you know, that release. So I think yeah, that's a good way I to do it. Yeah, I definitely, something that I have expressed with my band is like, we don't have to force ourselves to um, upkeep any sort of image, but uh, we definitely should stay active with like posting content and releasing music and playing um we are taking a break from playing this month just so we can focus on writing because uh like i said i, I write most of the songs and by that i mean i i begin the process of writing so i kind of i write the bones of the song i write like the general melody and rhythm and the words and then i show it to my band and they kind of follow along and fill in their part um and it's hard to do sometimes because I I have a lot of I write a lot of the songs that I write are very A B A D structured, but the switching back and forth happens pretty quickly, and everyone else in the band kind of has to figure out the structure. Um, so, like musically, it's not that complicated, but structurally, we have to all get on the same page. So we're fine tuning all those things right now before we start tracking. And um, I'm sure we'll have a single out in the summer. Yeah. Well, speaking of releasing uh, content, you guys just released, um, or you, I guess, reposted your uh, video for Stay the other day. Um, talk about, real quick, the the process of, of music videos for you as far as kind of that conceptualization of the story you know what i mean yeah um so i i filmed that video back in november uh with some people in philly that um i met through another band that they worked with that i'm friends with i went to help out uh for one of their music video shoots and i became friends with some of the people that were working on the video and they came to me and asked if they could do some videos with me and um, that was pretty lucky uh, that they were interested in my music and they wanted to be a part of it. So we did Stay in Philly. It was at um, one of their houses. And uh, Hunter, I think Hunter directed that one. Yeah, Hunter directed that one. And I didn't really, I didn't have uh, many ideas to put into it, like, I was allowed to request anything I wanted and, like, throw any ideas I wanted, but I didn't really have any. I was just like, I think that whatever you're going to want to do is going to be fine. And just if you give me, like, a rough outline, um, I'll make it my own thing, you know, and, and make it um, fit into my song. And the only premise that Hunter gave was, like, I'm just going to be in different parts of the house um, and just doing some singing along, doing some playing along, uh, and mostly give off this vibe of, like, I'm bored in this house, longing for this person, you know, that I'm singing about. Um, and it was all the outfits were my idea. I was like, I'm just going to bring the craziest things that I own because I've never done a music video before. And this is, like, my one big debut single. So I'm just going to wear ridiculous things, like this sequin dress with the matching sequin cardigan and um, this, like, weird, bloody athleisure two-piece <laughs> um, and PJs and then, like, a normal outfit. Um, and it was really fun because I was, like, just in front of the camera for six hours straight, and I was... Uh, performing my own song over and over, and I was like, "Wow, this is the life, huh?" And it was, it was, uh, you know, it, it was like um, 
an eye-opening, awakening moment where I was like, yeah, this life is pretty cool. I could do this. Yeah, and I, I think that's the important part is that it wasn't a uh, an eye-opening experience in the negative of like, oh shit, I have to do this every time now? Like, you know, this is it, becoming too much work in a sense, you know what I mean? Yeah, there have been some things that, I, that I've been like, oh, this is kind of disenchanting. Like, this is the side of being a musician that... Um, people don't really talk about or it's the part that you're like, you have to be able to put up with this if you really truly want to um, play and tour. Uh, you know, like just the logistics of touring and playing and traveling and the stress behind all of that. That part I, I was aware of, but I didn't really have uh, experience to go off of. So that part has been like an oh no um, eye opener. But the shooting videos and, like, actually playing, actually being on stage in front of people um, are the parts where I'm like, wow, this is really satisfying. Like, I, I, I don't like being the center of attention, which is why I love being in a band. But there is something to be said about telling a story and then just as soon as you're done, you walk away and people don't really bother you. You know, like you're spotlighted for a moment and then, but you're still kind of at arm's length from people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the, I guess, I don't know what word I want to use here. One of the advantages of the band, like you're saying, where, you know, I get to tell this story that, you know, typically is very personal to me or whatever. But at the same time, I'm not alone in doing it. There's there's people around me for this. Yeah, it's really nice to have my bandmates because um, even though they're not really doing any of the talking, uh, I definitely feel less pressure and loneliness. Um, you know, like they, they diffuse the spotlight from me just a little bit and it's it's great um the last show we played i was freaking out because i was super sick so i took <laughs> i took something that my drummer gave me he, it, i think it's a beta blocker i don't know what that means <laughs> but he said he said it would make me less nervous so i was like give me the bean i'll take the bean so i took the nervous bean um, I still was really nervous starting out the set, but halfway through, um, I think it was like the third song. I remember mid playing and singing it, I felt the beam kick in and I was like, oh, that's nice. Like my, my heart settled down and my breathing settled. So my singing was a little clearer and I was like, all right, we got this shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's always a little dangerous. I mean, obviously, he's a friend, but, you know, it's always a little dangerous taking a pill that you don't know what exactly it does. Oh, whatever. That wasn't <laughs> my, my point. It was a very, it was a mild thing. I knew, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew that it was mild and a mild dose of the thing. So I was like, whatever, calming nerves, let's do it. Yeah, no, I knew. I was just giving you a hard time about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not endorsing just taking other people's pharmaceuticals willy-nilly. I'm just saying, sometimes you need to take a nervous scene. Yeah. But it, especially at this stage in, in your career where, you know, we've discussed a little bit where you're still figuring things out, you know, whether it's the performance side of it or the songwriting, you know, it's a lot of trial and error to, to make sure you're doing the right things. And I think that's a, a perfect case of... I know I'm going to be nervous. I know I'm, you know, amped up. And having your bandmates there that knew how to, to help settle you um, and what to do to, to fix that. Yeah, most of the time they just watch me get drunk. Yeah, so, I mean, that's an option <laughs> I too. This was, like, this was arguably a better situation because I was like, I can't, I shouldn't drink because I'm so sick. It, it would be really bad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that's everything I've got. We've, we've hit on, you know, the, the new EP or album. We've, we've hit on some of your old stuff. Um, we've talked about some of your 2020 plans. So 
I'm going to give you the, the, the next couple minutes or whatever to plug whatever you want to plug. Um, obviously, we'll link your socials and things like that, but plug away with anything that, that you know you want to broadcast. Um, okay, well, yeah, besides the Instagram and the Twitter, which we try to be active on, but it's, it's hard <laughs> um, to keep up with. I try. I run the Instagram, Carter runs the Twitter. Um, the music video, Day, it's on, it's on YouTube. Um, and I heard from one of the guys that uh, worked on it that it is now on Vivo as well. It's the color Vivo video. Okay. So that's that's fun. Yeah, that's um, a big deal. I don't really I don't really understand what what that means for us, but uh, yeah, if anyone out there is like a Vivo subscriber, they're really big on videos that come out on that platform. Well, I'm on there now. Um, what else? We have another video coming out, I think, this month. I think sometime this month, um, because I'm playing uh, March 26th at Mercury Lounge in New York. I am doing a solo of that opening for K-Town. So I think that um, Sean uh, from No Hope and I talked about putting out the video before that. Um, I'm not really sure about the details, but, you know, there's a new video coming out. That's the point. Awesome. Um, yeah. And like I said, I'm going to keep trying to uh, put out some content on our socials. Um, something that I have been wanting to do for a long time um, is hand write lyrics and post them or like uh, compile like a zine, you know, with mm -hmm. handwritten lyrics. I think that that would be really cool because. Um, for the longest time, I exclusively wrote on pen and paper, like on paper with a pen. Um, I refused to use any digital tool like my phone or my laptop or a tablet or something. I don't know why it was just more satisfying to handwrite um, words and lyrics, and it was more satisfying to watch the process of like scribbling out words or restructuring the, the parts and then um, having my rough draft and then writing out the final clean draft, um, I think that's just more satisfying than, like, having it in digital form, which I do now, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have, I don't get to visually um, have, like, the history of the song, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to do that. Uh, don't know when, but I'm going to do it. And I think that's it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll keep our eyes posted for that stuff. Um, I'll, you know, obviously still be posting as much about you guys as I can. I'm digging the sound. I'm really excited to see what you guys come up with for the for the next project. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you taking the time and, and doing this. And, you know, again, we're going to try to keep everybody posted about you and hopefully uh, help elevate you a little bit. Well, thank you so much. I think that you um, allowed me to talk about some pretty great things. It's, it's always nice to do an interview, especially in, like, audio form, where I, I get to be caught off guard a little bit instead of being like, oh, here comes that question, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's one big thing for me. I've, I used to do the, like, emails and just straight list of, of questions, but it got really boring to me. Um, as an interviewer, uh -huh. you know, I was asking every band the exact same set of questions so doing more of a conversational style like this i think it allows you to you know be open and honest with with fans but also it takes us to different places that we probably wouldn't have got through email with a list of questions or anything yeah i actually do better um with any sort of like conversation or questions in written form because I have more time to like prepare and like write it out the best way that I can instead of just rambling like I do and I have been. But um, I think uh, something funny that you should try is coming up with like really silly questions. Like 
asking people if they could choose any two celebrities to be their parents, who would it be and why? I feel like those questions can be pretty telling. Like, people really show their true colors when you ask some, like, roundabout, silly questions that actually turn into, like, some sort of, um, like, unexpected honesty. Yeah, I can definitely add some of those back in. I used to, I did an interview with Ryan Key years ago um, from Yellow Card, and nice. the question that I asked him to just kind of get the ball rolling was um, if you could, uh, what his favorite type of cake was and what his favorite ice cream was, but he couldn't eat them together. And he came up with um, red velvet for the cake because it reminded him of Britney Spears for some reason. And, okay. and I I think it was like Rocky Road or something like that for the ice cream. But just out of nowhere, he's like, red velvet cake, you know, it, it makes me think of Britney Spears. And I'm like, where in the world did that come from? So, yeah, yeah we can we can definitely. And why are you thinking about Britney Spears? <laughs> well, because it's Britney Spears, you know, I guess. I don't know. Okay, yeah. I think about her a lot, too. <laughs> right. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely we'll probably throw that in in some of our upcoming interviews just to test it out and and see how that goes. But um, again, you know, I appreciate it. I'm gonna keep my eye on you guys. I'm sure we'll have you back on on the podcast at some point, and hope everything uh, you know goes smoothly and we can see that new project soon. Yeah, I'm really excited for people to um, hear the newer songs because so far the only way to hear the new songs is to have come to a show uh and not you know most people that are listening and don't know us personally have not seen us play live so it'll be really cool when people are like oh frames is like totally rock now yeah i think it'll be interesting even for me you know only having really experienced cursed to see where that ends up going. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much for, for reaching out and for asking me such good questions. Not a problem. Thank you for taking the time. And again, hope everything goes well and we'll we'll talk soon, okay? All right, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And that was our conversation with Sarah from Frames. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, I had a great time talking to, to her. Um, Really excited to see what this band is going to be able to do here in the next few months and in coming years. Um, you know, I think she's got a great vision for what she wants the band to sound like and what they're going to be pursuing. And, you know, it, it's re- always really cool to be in on the kind of ground level. Um, so being a new band, literally just kind of forming up last year in 2019. So, um, very, very fresh, uh, you know, tons of potential, lots of, you know, lots of life ahead of them as far as the music industry goes. So um, definitely check out their Instagram and, you know, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. I'll have all the social medias linked uh, into this article or this podcast. Um, and we will also have a video over on the website, as well as a link to their band camp and stuff like that. So um, definitely follow them. They are doing pre-orders, I believe it is, still for some new t-shirt designs that they have. Highly recommend you picking one of those up. Um, Head over to Bandcamp if you want to buy the album digitally. Uh, It's only $5 or whatever you want to donate beyond that. Um, You know, if you're just trying to support um, smaller artists or, you know, hopefully you guys enjoy the music and just want to support the band. Um, so that was, again, just a, a really good conversation. I appreciate her taking the time to do that. Um, especially with what's going on right now, um, I thought it'd be really cool to just touch on it real quick. You know, um, I don't want to get super deep in it, but with the, uh, COVID virus uh, problems that we're having as a nation and really across the world. So many bands have had to cancel or postpone shows and recording process and all that sort of stuff. 
And so now is a, a great time uh, to really show your support for your favorite bands. Um, many of them that have postponed shows obviously still had crew members that they needed to pay, and they're missing out on you know some income that they thought they were going to have. So I think the cool thing that we all can do there's there's kind of three major things and I've posted about these a couple times on on social media already but three major things that you can do to really help support the music industry right now and your favorite bands number 1 is make sure you like and share their social medias whether it's you know Facebook Instagram Twitter whatever it is the more people you share that with the more likely they are to get more fans and then turn, potentially make more money. Um, and I know it's not all about money, but <laughs> in these trying times, it kind of is for a lot of these artists. Number two, stream their music. Whether it's on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're streaming from, um, artists do make a small cut off of all that. Um, so... By streaming those artists more, that in turn gets their numbers higher, which in turn gets them more money, and is a great way to show support for your favorite artists. Number three is buy their merch as close to directly as you can. What I mean by that is going to their website and hitting merch or store or whatever they call it on their website is going to be the most direct way to purchase whether it's an album, T-shirts, whatever. The reason I recommend doing it that way is they're going to get more profit off of that than if you were to go to a store and buy it. So, like, as cool as Hot Topic is and, you know, maybe they do carry some of your favorite band shirts, the bands don't see as much money off those as they do when you buy direct. So get out there, you know, share their stuff, make sure you're streaming their stuff, if you've got some money, go to their websites. Some of these bands have even put the tour merch that they were going to be selling on their tours on the website because now they don't have that tour yet. You know, maybe it's postponed or whatever. So instead of waiting for that tour to happen, they're letting fans get the exclusive merch a little bit sooner. So, you know, it'd be a great way for you. Maybe you don't know if you're going to make the show or whatever to get that tour merch. So just get out there and <laughs> support the community, support, you know, music um, in any way that you can. Last thing that I'm going to say here is greatly appreciate everybody that's reached out to us um, about the, the podcast and everything. We are still working on some little upgrades and things like that to improve some of the recording quality, um, especially when we're doing phone interviews. And, you know, just want to say we're not exempt from any of this either. So, you know, we've got tons of merch available on our website. Um, let us know if there's specific styles that you like, if there's a different type of T-shirt or um, you prefer, you know, zip-up hoodies instead of pullover hoodies or whatever it is, let us know. Um, we'll try to, you know, make accommodations or maybe make some new merch and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, that's all I've really got for you guys this week. Uh, again, hope you enjoyed that interview. Frames needs to be on your radar. Go over to their Facebook page, their Instagram, their Twitter, whatever. Like them, follow them. And... That's all I've got, guys. Um, so today I'm going to let you guys hear from Frames, and that song is going to be called House Show. Um, it's on their current EP called Cursed, and you can find that on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you, you get your music. Um, highly recommend you check it out. Remember to take care of yourselves, guys. Take care of each other, and... Thank you.